0: We are working our way through the Beatitudes. This is our fall sermon series. And here they are. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And let's all say these together. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God always blesses the reading of God's word. Come Holy Spirit, I'm going to move in your flow of that beautiful worship. These words might not be my words, but they may be your words. Amen. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn. You know one interesting way to look at different worldviews, different religions, different perspectives is um, to think about how they deal with, how they deal with suffering. Buddhism, for instance, has a very particular path in dealing with suffering, according to religious scholar Dr. Wynne Cordowan. Buddhism asserts that to live is to suffer. Suffering is caused by attachment. Humans suffer because they allow themselves to get too attached to the world. And the salvation path of Buddhism is an individual can eliminate suffering by eliminating attachments. So you go all in with Buddhist practices to detach. That's the approach that the Buddha takes to dealing with suffering. You make concentrated effort to detach. Years ago, I was in a class at Seattle Central Community College. I was auditing it while I was in ministry there, and a Buddhist nun came. She was intense. She was intense, uh, hardcore. And she made very clear that the path to enlightenment for a Buddhist is rigorous, hard work. Essentially, in Buddhism, you work hard to self transcend suffering through rigorous, practice. That is on you. The teaching of Jesus Christ could not be any different. Jesus doesn't teach us to self-transcend suffering. Jesus comes and suffers himself, and he blesses sufferers. Blessed are those who mourn. Years ago, I was in my former church in Pennsylvania, I met a lot of, knew a lot of wonderful people there. Among them was a guy named Pap, we called him, his name was Joe Ridinger, we called him Pappy Joe. He was a, reti- he was a Korean war vet. I think he had at least one purple heart. He owned a trucking company, <clears throat> or a trucking, trucking repair company. He had, in his older year, elder years, really bad gout on his knee. And I remember going to visit him in the hospital And Pappy Joe telling me how how he had cried out. The pain was so bad that he cried out. And a guy like this doesn't cry out, you know, often. So the guy was in pain. And, but as I was sitting there with him, as he was in the hospital bed, and he said, you know, Jesus took all that pain. I can't believe he did that. Something to that effect Papi Joe was saying. Whew. That was a holy moment to hear Papi Joe talk about. Jesus taking on the suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He bore our infirmities. The iniquity to all of us was laid on him. All the bad stuff, as the prophet Isaiah tells us, interpreting the Messiah who was to come. This is not Buddhist self-transcendence our gospel is, I'm going to say, way better than that. It's God coming to suffer with us and then blessing us and pulling us through. It is not on you to self transcend your suffering. It is God who blesses you and me when we mourn. What was the last time you felt sad? Why did you feel sad? That happens for all kinds of reasons. If you're like me, perhaps you're mourning our country's political toxicity and discord right now. Christian writer David French, in his book, Divided We Fall, writes about the relentless, what he calls, this is a chapter heading in the book, the relentless momentum of our mutual contempt. No No matter what perspective you have on where the issue is in our country or where what is most despairing to you, all across the board, there's just despair to go around, right? It can feel unbearable. President Reagan had the famous line, it's mourning again in America. At this moment, it feels like we have the other kind of mourning in America. I was a journalism major in college. I was an American studies major in college. I was a double major. I loved it. I love our history, you know. But this, this is a sad time, this is a tough time. So lots of good things happening but lots of bad things happening in our public discourse. So maybe that's on your mind like it's on my mind and maybe that's causing you to mourn like it's causing me to mourn. Maybe it's unbearable on you as it is on me sometimes. Or maybe you're hurting for some other reason. Maybe you lost a loved one recently or years back and you still deeply miss them. Maybe it's health challenges. Maybe it's a struggle you have that doesn't seem to end and is relentless. Every time you try, you fall back. Maybe it's just a disappointment you had. Maybe you disappointed yourself. Maybe other people disappointed you. Maybe it's just stress. I don't know. What are you mourning? Well, in our mourning, whatever it may be from, Jesus comes and offers not platitudes, not advice, not a self improvement plan, He offers us a blessing blessed are. He comes to bless in our mourning. Take note that Jesus assumes mourning as a part of life with him. Another thing about a worldview, you know, look at how it handles mourning, whether someone's a Buddhist or agnostic or whatever, you know, what do they do with it? How does their perspective handle it or make a place for it? In Jesus, it's right up front. It's baked in his very life. He takes on the mourning for us. He takes it in himself. Our God is not at some deistic distance with his arms crossed, tapping his foot. Okay, now get through that morning. That's not how our God rolls at all. He comes in, that's the incarnation, God taking on flesh that can be flayed and cut. So he knows mourning. But he also knows life. He knows mourning is part of life, even life with him. Jesus, Jesus never says, if we really trust him enough, we'll never mourn. Sometimes some well-meaning Christians talk as if mourning and sadness is somehow a lack of faith. No. That's, that's like, like if you had enough faith, you wouldn't mourn. That's not how Jesus thinks at all. But as scholar Dale Bruner points out, on Jesus Christ's authority, we can trust that in the morning we're always in God's hands. Mourning, it turns out, is holy ground. The Lord blesses us there. He declares those who mourn will be comforted. That's good news, not only for those of us who are in mourning, that's also good news for those around us who are in mourning. It means we can bring the blessing to them. We can bring blessing that Jesus promises in mourning to others who are mourning around us. We may not always know what to say. Do you ever have that? You don't know what to say when someone's mourning? I just saw on Facebook a former colleague of mine from years back just lost his brother to suicide. What do you you say? What do you say? Well, he knows what, the Lord knows what to say. He wants to bless that person. He wants to bless them. So in those moments when you don't know what to say to others who are mourning, you can take the pressure off yourself. Remember this assurance in this beatitude. Jesus saying, bless are those those who mourn. And you can turn away from, we can turn away from our lack of, knowing what to do, and turning toward Jesus who wants to bless and say, how do you wanna bless? You're blessing, what what are you doing to bless? How do you wanna use me? Lord, show us how we can participate in your promised blessing to the mourner. Theologian George Hunsinger writes that Jesus brings comfort to mourn by the Holy Spirit. Remember, as he's leaving, he promises the Holy Spirit. They were probably sad. His disciples, his guys, were probably sad, even though he was risen, that he was leaving. Like, and he says, I'm gonna give you my spirit. And the great thing about the spirit, is it's Jesus airborne, you know, it's mobile. <laughs> I once did a children's sermon um, uh, back in seminary when I was young, I, I think I compared... The Holy Spirit, um, I, I said the Holy Spirit was Jesus with wings, you know. One of my theological friends at Princeton was like, hmm, you've given Jesus wings, hmm. You know, like, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's moving, he's airborne, you know. That's what the Holy Spirit is. I was, I was sitting in my office, we were sitting in my office doing our, um, our high school little Bible study and I saw our awesome bass player running across the lawn with, a, with his bass going like this. I, thought, I said to the students, I said, that's like the Holy Spirit. He's running to you right now. He's gonna, he's gonna come to you, you know? He's coming. He's running to you. That's the Holy Spirit running to the other church, right? We are not left to ourselves in our mourning. God doesn't do that. It's not about self-transcending. He wants to bless you and me. And he's given us the Holy Scripture to to guide us in our mourning. Dr. Hunsinger and others have pointed out there are particular psalms in the scriptures that actually give us a very specific structure for how to mourn. Uh, Psalm 13, is they're, they're called Psalms of Lament. This isn't happy, clappy, you know, it's all about feeling good all the time. I mean, yeah, life in God, there's a lot of feeling good, right? But there, there's scripture that helps us when we don't feel good. Again, when we talk with someone about worldviews and we're sharing our faith, we wanna ask people, how does your worldview help you when you don't feel good? How does it account for that? Here's what we have. We have a Lord that blesses us in our mourning. We have scripture that guides us with these psalms of lament for how to mourn. So Psalm 13, the way you do a psalm of lament, there's five key steps. First, you address God. How long, O Lord? That's Psalm 13, verse 1. Then you lament. How long will you forget me forever? That's verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 13. Then you declare trust in God, Psalm 13, 5 but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Then you petition God, Psalm 13, verses three and four. Consider and answer me, O Lord. And then the fifth is you thank and praise God. I will sing to the Lord, Psalm 13, verse six. Sometimes it helps to have handholds, right? For how, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're uh, flooded with mourning, you don't always even know what to do. So it helps to have a structure to guide you. And Psalms can give you that. God wants to bless you and me, whatever we're sad about. Of course, sometimes that involves words. Sometimes it doesn't involve words at all. Sometimes it's just being a presence with somebody, just being being there. I remember when I was hurting years ago, like I remember this like it was yesterday, but it was 16 years ago. Something happened, it really upset me, and a mentor of mine just put his hand on my shoulder. He didn't say anything. He just put his hand on my shoulder. And I remember it, like it was just yesterday. We were sitting in a car, and he was just, just put his hand on my shoulder. Sometimes that's all it is, to be blessed Bless the morning, is just put a hand on a shoulder. Jesus meets you and me in that hollow ground, whether it's meeting us in our morning or helping someone else to be blessed in theirs. This past week, I was at the store. I won't say what store, but I was out at the store getting milk and other things, and I got the milk, and then I went up to the self-checkout, and I realized that the milk carton was was leaking on the bottom. It's a pretty big. It was a milk. It was like a jug of milk. I was like, I'm glad I discovered this now before I get it to the car. You know, so I was trying to say, okay, I'm going to set this over here, and I asked the uh, one of the employees at the store, "Where do I set this?" And the employee's response was a little gruff. You know, they weren't not horrible, but. They weren't super friendly, right? She didn't seem to return my vibe in kind, right? Maybe it was, she was slightly abrupt, and uh, so I, I, walk. I set it down where she told me to put it, and I was walking to go get the milk, and I was kind of saying to myself, "Maybe you've done this, boy. What's up with that? Bro? What's up with her? You know, she's not. She's not very nice. Or you know, she, isn't she in the people business? What's going? You start to get a little bit like." I'm a little bumped about that, you know, and uh, a little judgy, you know, in my heart. I, I realized I was doing that. I think, and <clears throat> the, the spirit was working me. I went back and I thought, well, okay. I went back and I brought the new milk, and then I uh, heard as I was going up to the to the self checkout again. I heard her talking with a colleague about an injury she had that she had. The the one who was a bit rough. And I caught my ear. And, and so I engaged her again and, and sought to, to kind of elevate the conversation a little bit. And she was more kind. And then I asked her, I said, I heard you something about an injury. And the formerly gruff person w- was kind of being a little bit kinder. And she told me that she'd had her foot crushed. She was at a party or something. and Some kind of metal chair crushed it. And when you looked at her foot, it was actually, you know... Tweaked, I mean I could see it. It was bent. And she was here she was on the job with a with a with a bent foot. Well She said she was going to physical therapy. I wished her well and we parted ways. So it turns out the person who was gruff had a limp. You might say she was in mourning for her foot, right? You never know, right? You never know. A lot of times the the gruff or edgy or abrupt behaviors, even anger out there, people ready to, you know, whatever, can be underneath about some kind of mourning, some kind of loss, loss of control, loss of hope, you know, whatever. In a hurting world, many are limping and many are mourning, many, many. And as they may be gruff, and that may bug and bother us, Jesus moves us um, toward them to bless them through us. He, he does that as he gives us his spirit. Remember he says in, the, in John's gospel, my spirit I leave to you. The same spirit that, that Paul talks about as as comforting in, in 1 Corinthians 2. Um, we, we become living witnesses to let people know they're not alone in their mourning, whatever they may be mourning. And we can meet them there and, and start um, by showing that the Lord cares. And, and when we do that, in those moments, I have to think right there at the checkout line, at the, at the store, that the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Christ, who has covered our sins, our guilt, our bodily infirmities, that all wrapped and taken up in him, that he, he was reaching out through me to, to this person, And there was a connection. And when you know, whether they knew I was a Christian or not, I think the Lord was moving, and I think that's how God uses us. But we all it's easy to react to the gruffness rather than see the mourning right behind it. Blessed are those who mourn, and we are the blessing for them. Blessed are those who mourn, and when you mourn, the Lord wants to bless you. Are you shaping your life to get the blessing so you're not alone in whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're in pain over? You put yourself in community and connectedness. It's all about the connectedness. God wants to bless you and me by connecting us with his people in whatever we're mourning with and struggling. God wants to bless the world by connecting you and me with a mourning world in whatever they're struggling, whatever it may be. We, even if we can't always fix it, many times you can't fix it, we can be a preview of the ultimate fix that is in Jesus Christ that breaks into the world that's hurting. And as we do that, as, as we move with him to bless a morning world as we're blessed in our own mourning, then through the power of the risen Christ, it really will be mourning in America again as in the sunrise, as is the sun rising. May it be so for you and for me in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen.